Are you at your point where you think you've hit your bottom or maybe that there's just no way you're ever going to feel like things can change? I was like that. I really was. And I want you to know, my name is Bromo, by the way. I want you to know that there is a way out. Please join us for my podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, today, the 2nd of March, there is a way out. My name is Bromo Weather here in Bismarck. The sun shines out, a little slushy out because when it rains... It mixes with the snow and causes havoc on the streets. Today is a very, very awesome podcast for me. They all are. With all my guests that I've had on, I'm so grateful for everyone. I am an alcoholic. My sobriety date is 2-17-09. Uh, I am not an expert by any means. I basically have, of course, years of experience, but I don't have any uh, you know, any paper. Well, I've been pretty lucky. I, I am have to say expert. after 23 podcasts, the many computer reasons, finally shut off anybody on my 24th podcast from alcoholism so, or addiction. I apologize about that. Let's return to my segment with Brothers Brandon, that they an awesome guy here in Bismarck. My goal is to have Again, I apologize for the and if anybody erupt pick up something from this. We're picking up the interview today. Like I said, like I said, right here. On there is just a me way and then on the phone with somebody either from San Diego or from here in Bismarck. But today is a icon, so to speak, here in Bismarck. He's awesome. We're actually doing this on live, Facebook Live. He runs a, a, a Facebook Live called Sober Talk with Brother Brandon, the Raging Cajun. Brother Brandon is in the studio with me right now. Brother Brandon, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you, Bromo, for, of course. Ha- for having me on this beautiful Saturday. You want to introduce uh, your son, Austin, over there? Good August. kid. August. Oh, I'm sorry, August. <laughs> yep. Sorry, August, August. Yep, but that. he was born in July. His name is August. Love it. And my birthday's in August. Love it. Now, how you doing, August? <laughs> how, how long you been sober, brother? Seven years. Seven Look years at of sobriety. Yeah, so I got a hold of uh, Brother Brandon. About a week ago, and I want to give a little history about him. He and I became Facebook friends, I would want to say, about to eight or nine months ago. I ran across him on Facebook, seeing all the good things that he does, and there's a lot of them. And I knew that I had to get him on Facebook as a friend because we both have something in common. We want people to hear about the wonderful world of sobriety. And here's what I love about you so much, Austin. August. Uh, August. <laughs> August, this is what I, and by the way, <clears throat> just to clear something out real quick, my real name is Dave Brandon. Okay. You go on as Brother Brand, Brother Brandon. Now, um, you should have Brandon. Brandon is always last. Yeah. People tell me, oh, Brandon is a first, first name. Yeah. Right. And why is your last name Brandon? But that's just how I always get that from the Have you ever looked up? The meaning of the name Brandon. I have not. Tell me about it real quick. So it, I've looked it up, and it, it's I've read a couple different things, but I remember one. Yeah. It it says uh, a true hurricane. You know what I mean? A hurricane, a, a, a person that is a warrior uh, that brings a hurricane to a situation. Love and it. And I remember a lot of birthdays growing up uh, down south uh, singing happy birthday in the dark during you, a hurricane. You are from New Orleans. Yep. 
from the West Bank of New Orleans. First of all, can we turn that uh, camera so we can see you? Yes, I, I see way myself, way too much, and I'm <laughs> about one of the ugliest guys you'll ever see. Right. I want your people on Facebook Live to see you right now. Okay. The star. And what I was saying earlier was what he does is, and, and uh, this is something that I count on, he sends us a remarkable little saying, a quote, a spiritual thing, a uplifting thing every morning through my Facebook, yep. through my messenger. Am I a big part of a, a big link that you send all those all to, to? Well, I'll tell you a story. Yeah. So when I first got into sobriety, my mentor told me that every day when I wake up, I should start doing Something for somebody else yep. to start my day off not being selfish. Yes. Because they say selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our disease. By far. And so that's what I started doing in 2018. Love it. When I first got sober. And, um, and congratulations. What's your sobriety date again? My sobriety date is February 12th. Uh, 2018. You just had a birthday. Congratulations. I just had a birthday in February. I made six years. Congratulations. No, drugs, no alcohol, no cigarettes. Isn't that the greatest day of the year by it far? It is. I mean, it's. Uh, I have way more fun being sober and clean than I ever did in my so, uh, non-sober days. So continue. You send these out to everybody. And one by one. That's what someone told you. That's the best thing you could possibly do for anybody. Right. And not specifically do that. Right. He said just in general. It could be helping an old lady with her groceries or taking someone's garbage out or, you know, just anything. And I started off with five people, and now I probably send it out to about 350 every day. God, that's great. So uh, you've been in Bismarck how long? I've been here since the end of 2015, beginning of 2016. And what were your... what was your choice? Drugs, dr- uh, drinking, everything? You everything. Had told me everything. I wanted to tingle. I wanted to be up, down, all around. I had so many problems that it took a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol to keep me uh, sane to be able to get through a day. Do you remember when you first started using or drinking the feeling that you had? Was it something that you had to have or was it something you liked doing? Well, it was something that was fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I grew up... Uh, in my younger years, I grew up in a town called Jean Lafitte, okay. named after the pirate John Lafitte. Nice. And it's south of New Orleans. Okay. Uh, swamp town. Everybody's uh, a fisherman. They catch shrimp, seafood for a living. And then I moved to the city, uh, back to the city at about age 12 or 13. And I started smoking weed every day, and it kept me calm through all the nonsense that I would encounter. That was part of your lifestyle. Yep. And we grew up into a party. You know what I mean? Mardi Gras. Uh, I mean, people save up their money for three years to go down, go down and go to jail for uh, peeing in public and get robbed. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> Isn't that right? <laughs> and so, um, and and so that's just how it was, you know. And I remember my first starting off in my drug and drinking career that I would wake up laughing. I would wake up after passing out laughing, be in a hotel suite, be with uh, somebody else's wife. Be with have somebody else's luxury car. You know, it was always some kind of fun adventure. Right. But at the end of my drinking and drugging career, I would wake up crying. You know what I mean? My darkest days, I would wake up crying. And that's that's the change of it. You know what I mean? All of our stories start off different. You know? Yeah. Here's here's the thing. Having only known you now for about half hour, I can tell what kind of person you were back then. 
and even more so now. You seem like a mellow guy. Uh-huh. Nothing can really rattle your chain. Not a violent guy or anything like that. Okay. I can see you laughing when you wake up after drinking or smoking or whatever. Right. Because you are enjoying life. Correct. Right. That's part of you. That's part of who you are. Correct. When did you start seeing that things were going a little out of, out of control? Um. I would say not to my military days. And thank you for your service. Tell everybody when you entered the military. So I joined the military when I was 17 years old, um, straight out of high school. I didn't have no intentions of joining the military. This Asian girl that I was dating at the time, she convinced me to join the military. And um, I left about a month after uh, my senior year from graduating and my first time flying on a plane. Nice. So that was year 2000. And how old are you? Right now, I'm 41. Okay. You it, look good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Totally do. You know, I was just looking at like, man, I graduated high school 24 years ago. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I, gra- oh, I know. Uh, class of 2000, John Errett High School in the West Bank of New Orleans. We had a lot of uh, great football players come from there. Oh, sure. Uh, Reggie Wayne from right. the in- Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Cordell Stewart used to play for Pittsburgh. Was it Marshall Falk out there? It, uh, oh, no, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong on that. There was somebody from that, that played for San Diego or somewhere like that. Right. Well, we have a lot of other players now that are currently in the league as well. Okay. But, um, I mean, a lot of great uh, sports, uh, but a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol and a lot of partying. And you saw a lot of that. I saw a lot that was, of that. That was, part, that was in your world, right? Yep. I okay. come from a, uh, a single mom home. Uh, my mom had me. She was 16, and she went out on her own and raised me the best she could by herself. Never met my father. Um, just recently in sobriety, two years ago, I was able to go uh, back to New Orleans and meet all the half of my family that I never knew, his side, and I went to his grave and read him a letter. Oh, wow. You know, thanks to sobriety, if I wasn't sober, I would never ever be able to do that. And how emotional was that? It, I cried, you know. It yeah. was great. You know, Did you feel kind of a, a, a weight that was being off your shoulders when you were delivering that speech that reading that yes yes and for your own soul you felt more more complete this is what's yeah i'm just saying that because that this is what sobriety does right i felt like i got to meet a side of me that i never knew wow and that um and that i always in the back of my mind wanted to go do but i never i never went through with it and you did Yes. When you were uh, in, in drinking and using, what was your probably the most frequent thing that you did? Just, uh, you just did it all? Yeah. So at, in my younger years, uh, I couldn't drink. I, I really didn't drink that much. I, right. just, I just tried to stay cool. Uh, you know, I remember drinking like a, a Bud Ice and then throwing it up back in the bottle and when nobody can look at me. Yeah. But um, I always smoked weed and... Um, I started taking pills at a young age. Oh. So I started taking... Uh, did, did the pills kind of calm you? Yeah. Did the pills make you hyper? What was your effect? Why did you start taking pills? Was that just something you wanted to mask with, with pot? Because we had tons of them. Oh, got it. I mean, in New Orleans, um, before the epidemic really even hit the rest of the world, yeah. we had pill mills. You know, you, yeah. you get an MRI and go to these pill mills, you pay 100 bucks, and they give you uh, 100 uh, Lorisets, 100 Vicodins, 100 oh, uh, wow. Xanax, and 100 Somas. You know, and wow. if you hit 10 of them a day, yeah. man, I go to people's houses, they had gallons and garbage bags full of pills. You know, so, <clears throat> so we just started taking them, you know, because like, I like to feel the tingle. Sure. You know, and um, 
you like to feel in control, but not out of control. Because when we're drinking and using, and on those fun days, right. we got it handled, correct? Yep. And then at age uh, 15, I started taking ecstasy. Oh, boy. Ecstasy, uh, acid, oh. um, LSD, um, and and that brought me into a whole nother dimension. Uh, like like how? Like, like tripping? Yeah, seeing things. Um, they say, uh, I think after you take acid or LSD yeah. five or ten times, uh, you're legally considered crazy. And so I remember um, selling ecstasy. We, we started going to these big raves on Canal Street at the State Palace Theater in New Orleans. Right. And it was like a whole other world. You know what I mean? But it yeah. was so many people there and so open to do whatever you, you, can, you wanted to do sure. that we could sell a lot of pills there. And so... We would go there, do that, and then we would take a bunch of pills and take a bunch of gel tabs or uh, drops of acid, and then we would start feeling good but seeing stuff at the same time. I've only done it once, and somebody gave me a pill. Okay. And I took it, and I was stocked with beer, and I was at home. I knew I wasn't going anywhere. And he calls me about 10 minutes in. He says, you take that pill? I go, yeah, man. You just gave it. Oh, dude. I said, what? I, I meant to only give you half of it. Mm-hmm. I meant to tell you to only take half of what was, so what was strong it? ecstasy. Yeah. The one and only time I took it. And man, was I seeing things. I was watching a football game and the players uniforms were all warbly like they were yeah. coming through the screen. So let me ask you this. When you were doing that, do you ever have any flashbacks now? You think I can remember all the stuff I saw, but they say sometimes that if you take LSD and stuff like that, you'll have a flashback once in a while still in your lifetime. I, I don't know. No, uh, I can remember the stuff that I saw, though, like yeah, during okay. the days when I, I was tripping. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like now I have a photographic memory. Yeah. I can't remember names for nothing. Isn't that something? But I, I remember a face from 30 years ago, you know? Yeah. I remember stuff when I was like two years old. I asked my mom, I said, remember this this situation happened? I could see it vividly. And yeah. I said, how old was I when that happened? She said two. So I can remember. I just can't remember names. Is your mom still around? Sorry, if you don't yes. mind me asking. Okay, perfect. Okay. Yep. Um, you ever miss drinking or using? No. And here's uh, why I asked that, because I have that asked all the time. And it's a legitimate question by people that you and I will call normies. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's not addicted to anything of what we are. Right. And they'll say, do you ever miss it? And it's a legitimate question. I'm not insulted by it. Right. Do you ever think about it? And I go, I'd be a liar if I wouldn't tell you that I think about an ice cold beer now and then. So I have a, a few different things I can say on that topic. Yeah, go ahead. So one, I speak a lot. Um, just yesterday. And you're very good at it. Was it yesterday? A Thursday morning, I went into the local uh, North Dakota Maximum State Men's Prison here you in Bismarck. You did. And I, I, I've been going there frequently, and I went speak to a, a, a group of guys that's graduating from a program inside of inside, there. Inside, okay. And um, This is fascinating. And so two things. One, all us addicts and alcoholics, we have a built-in forgetter. We can go through the ringer, and then a week later we forget about what we just went through yeah. and back at the bar. Yeah, well, you, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. So I don't want to ever forget what I've been through to the pain of the last days, my darkest days that I went through. I never want to feel that pain again, and I never want to forget it. I think it's a protective vice. That, and I'll tell you why. And I don't mean to interrupt, and I do this a lot. I apologize to your audience. And, of course, my audience is used to it. And we'll get back to what you're saying. I believe, uh, there's my awful 
I believe, <laughs> we're doing this Facebook Live, everybody who's listening to this on my podcast. This is awesome. I believe when you have a dream that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I've had other people say, normies tell me, I, wouldn't, you be, wouldn't you be alarmed by that? Not at all. That's my mind keeping me fresh. Mm-hmm. And, and it's crystal clear of what I went through in my days. Now, when you're talking to these people in the maximum prison, you said, mm-hmm. this is something I've always wanted to do. When we're done here, I want to get information to see if I can do this. Mm-hmm. I've always, are you scared going in? Or are you full of confidence because you want to deliver the message of sobriety? So but, I think the best part of it is they let me in and they let me out the same day. Wow. <laughs> Have you ever been to jail? I've been to, I, I haven't been to that prison. Yeah, right. But I've been to the county jail across the street okay. multiple times. Okay, I've never been. So and I'm, I've been to military jail as well. Is that right? Yep. Wow. And, so you go in there and you see these people of all ages probably, mm-hmm. and they're looking at you, and you're not scared. You have a gift you're delivering. Correct. When they look at you, how long do you speak for? Uh, usually we plan for like... 45 an hour, and wow. usually I speak for like two hours. You know what I mean? Because they probably, after they get to know you and your persona and your personality, because you're a, you're a very likable guy right from the start. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm uh, sure people are drawn to you when they ask you a billion questions. Right. So anytime before I speak... Yeah. Because I, every time I have a little bit of fear and nervousness inside of me before I go speak somewhere. Of course. And so this is what I say. Before I walked in here today, yeah, I say, after you, God. You know what I mean? Right. I love it. I'm not leading the show here. All I am is a vessel, and I keep myself open to keep that spirit flowing through me. Well, this is what I like about you and your podcast and your messages and your, and your Facebook pages. Uh, some people think, and I've had this told to me through years and years and years in the program, they well i've been pretty lucky i have to say after 23 podcasts the computer finally shut off mid-flight on my 24th podcast so i apologize about that let's return to my segment with brothers branded an awesome guy here in bismarck again i apologize for the uh, abruptness and uh, we're picking up the interview in mid-flight like i said right here on there is a way out we start working at the gas plant we get our apartment in Glen Ullen, big old Glen Ullen, God's country. Yeah. And, uh, and so um, we working every day. Then we finally get a day off, like a Sunday or something. Yeah. And I'm like, man, we need to find a city, some civilization or something. Sure. So we come to big old Bismarck. And um, we do like most people do. We go find a Chinese buffet. We get some food, <laughs> right? And then we start hitting the local bars and club. Yeah. So I always like to say this: I got lucky at Lucky's Bar and booty at Bucks, and I <laughs> got a girl pregnant. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. And I did like all smart whippersnappers would do. I moved in with her and all her five kids in the back of the trailer park in Mandan. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Another toxic relationship. Yeah. So uh, that didn't work out, and so. I start walking to the local bars. Yeah. Fine establishments. Yeah. And um and I start drinking. And then 30 minutes after drinking, brother Brandon wants drugs. You know what I mean? And so I start talking to people, meeting people in the bar, you know, fair weather friends. And I said, "Man, y'all ain't got no cocaine? Y'all don't have no ecstasy?" They're like, "Nope, but we got this meth though." And, oh, that's what I've heard that. And so I started pretty, yeah. I started crushing meth and snorting it. Yeah. 
it's probably the most burning substance you can ever snort. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, whatever nostril you snort it in, it feels like it melts that half side of your brain. Right. You, you know? Right. And, um, and so they should have a Surgeon General warning on the back of each meth baggie in the whole world, like cigarettes and uh, chewed tobacco does. Yeah. You will become homeless. God. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that happens real fast. So uh, I started going to jail. You know, she started calling the cops on me. I'm hiding in her attic. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, arrested for possession, right? No, uh, arrested for uh, restraining orders. Oh, she started okay, putting restraining it. orders okay. on me. Yep. Then it was burglary. Yeah. Then it was possession. Yeah. And then it was uh, paraphernalia. And, you know, it was just it just kept going. Sure. Uh, theft. You know, I'm banned from M and H gas station and Captain Jack's. Uh, alcohol store for life. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. Right. I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the, it was just, it was miserable. You know what I mean? In and out of jail. I miss my son being born. Right. I oh, miss, wow. I, I miss my son's first birthday. Right. And um, I ain't never missed a birthday since. Right, August? And I'm here every day by the grace of God, uh, every day raising my son and being the father in his life that he, he almost didn't have, you know? Right. So you did you keep going down this spiral or did you say right then and there, hey, man, I can't live like this anymore? So um, I spent four. So I was in and out of jail like a month here, a week here, a couple of days here. And then I got locked up for four months um, and I had a big bond and and I couldn't get out. I kept asking uh, for a bond reduction. Yeah. And then finally, when I got out, I made a decision that I wasn't going back to that toxic release. I mean, th- with that toxic lady. Sure. You know what I mean? Because yep. it was already, it wasn't really uh, a relationship. You know R- what I mean? Right. It, and a lot of men do that. They go to jail back to back to back yeah. for, behind a toxic situation. And yep. some people ain't meant to be around each other. Right. You know what I mean? They just fuel the fire. Right. People are supposed to be around people that's going to make you calm and better. Right. You know, and... Uh, I see a lot of men uh, back and forth losing it, everything but behind a toxic relationship. Yeah. And just because you have a kid with somebody doesn't mean that you have to be with them. Right. You know, because most of the times the people that we choose to accidentally have a kid with. Yep. We don't even know them. Yeah. It's somebody you met at a bar. You know what I mean? When you was drunk. Right. Doing sinning already. And then you try to have a relationship and you wonder why it don't work. For 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 one, you don't know that person. Yeah. For two, when you do figure out who you are and look at that person, you realize this is not the type of person I would even be associated with. Sure. You know, and so uh amen, August. <laughs> okay. No. Is he okay? Does you have to use the restroom? No. Oh, you're all right? Oh, okay. I said, and, that's okay. And so uh so yeah. So when I got out of jail after the four months, yep. I made a promise to myself that I wasn't never going back over there. The yeah. judge told me, he said, you go back over there one time, you out of here, buddy. Yeah. And so um, I wound up getting a free apartment through community action nice. from being a veteran from the Iraqi war. Oh, that's great. In Mandan. Awesome. Um, and that's when I started hitting another bottom. 
I like to call it my frozen bottom. Right. People think hell is hot. Hell is cold. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Walking around, negative 40 degree weather, lonely, broken, no money, no nothing, and your hands are about to freeze no, off. No, that's, that, that, that's, I was telling someone the other day, I don't understand how anyone can do that out here. It's hard to meet friends in a blizzard. Oh, my God. You, you know no what kidding. I mean? Yes. Uh, and so I got evicted from a free apartment. That's the type of life I was living. Well, that's part of what we do, you know? Right. Then every, you ever had a, a part of your life where everything just keeps going wrong? Yep. That's because you're disconnected from your higher power. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. You don't have any power, no power. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can plug in and nothing's connected on the well, other. Well, it's almost like you think, it's almost like nothing positive can be in your life. You keep thinking, what's the next wrong thing that's going to happen? Right. And you live that way. And so you, you're wiring your brain to expect something bad right. to happen. Right. So why should anything good happen to right. me? Right. And so and so I remember it was 2017. It was Christmas. Yep. I hadn't talked to my family in probably like a year. I hadn't worked in a year and a half as at a job. Um I had warrants about to be revoked on my probation for the second time. Right. I've been evicted. I don't have no phone. I don't have nothing. Christmas Eve, I'm walking through Bismarck, North Dakota, and it's a blizzard. And you remember the winter of 2017, beginning of 2018. Right. It was freezing. Yeah. And I'm looking in people's houses. Their windows are open, and it's like in an Uncle Scrooge movie. Yeah. They're having eggnog. They got their Christmas sweaters on, the Christmas tree. They're laughing, joy with family opening presents. Yeah. You know? And I'm crying and I'm like, man, I'm not supposed to be living like this. Right. This ain't how I'm. I know this isn't the purpose of my life to be a loser. Right. And so um, I go in the, the laundromat on the boulevard on 12th Street. And it used to be open 24 hours. And I go in there, it's like 2 a.m., and I'm, I'm, I'm getting warm. Yeah. Even the drug local drug addicts didn't want to be my friend no more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so this girl walks in. I consider her an angel. I don't know who she was. I never seen her before and never seen her again. And she said, hey, I thought I would come in here and tell you that the United Way is giving free hotel rooms at the Motel 6 here in Bismarck. Oh, wow. Because it's so cold yeah. outside. Yeah, and that's She said, something. if you go to this place in the morning, you'll be able to get you a free room and you can be warm. So that's what I did. I went and got me a, uh, I went to the place, they fed me, yep. and then they even taxied me to the Motel 6. And that's something. And I got a room. So I, I lived there, uh, probably for like two months or something. And the whole hotel was just full of the local drug addicts and homeless people. Right. And so it was the most loneliest, darkest time of my life. I wake up crying. No money, no phone, nobody come and check on me. I'm eating these old dry pretzels from the food pantry. Right. And I wake up crying. I'm looking at my life, you know, I'm 35 years old, and this is what my life has came to. Right. Of me being broken, homeless, and warrants. Um, when I came in, into sobriety, 
I hadn't seen my daughter in five years. Last time I seen her, she was nine. Wow. Now she was 16. Wow. It's a big difference. Yeah. I mean, no, com- no communication, not seeing her. I owe $25,000 in back child support. I hadn't done my taxes in over 10 years. Yeah. I thought my life, I had so many problems that I didn't even know how to, where to start. You yeah. know, so I just yep. got drunk and high yep. just to get through the day. Also, I had a duffel bag full of mail at his mom's house. That I hadn't even opened. Wow. Court cases. Yeah. Uh, credit collectors. You know what I mean? There's so many different stuff that I just gave up on life. Yeah. Why do you want to open them? Because you know it's going to be bad. Right. And so, um, and so when they used to bring us to the soup kitchen every day from the hotel, I met a kind volunteer, and she showed me how to sign up for Medicaid. Wow. And so I called New Freedom Center and Heartview. That was the only two places that was heard of back then. Back then. In 2018. Right. So eventually, New Freedom Center called back because everybody had a wait list. Yeah. They called back to the hotel and left a message for me. They said, if you could be here Monday, we can do an eval and see if we'll take you. And I was so full of hurt and pain and broken. I said, y'all going to take me. And so. um, Were you scared thinking about going in? Were you scared about thinking about changing your life around? No. I, at this point, I had no more fight in me. Okay. You know? Yeah, you had reached your bottom. Yep, a frozen bottom. You were on that frozen bottom for yep. quite a while. So there's a bottom. Yeah. Everybody's bottom's different, but yeah. I hit a frozen bottom. Absolutely. That's what I like to say. North yeah. Dakota yeah, saved my life. And so um, that was a Thursday. Yeah. So that's the last time I got high and the last time I got drunk. And I stood up all the way to Monday morning and I was miserable. I didn't have no friends. Yeah. I didn't have no cigarette. Yeah. I didn't have nothing. And that Monday morning, February 12th, 2018, I packed my black garbage bag and I walked from the Motel 6 on State Street across to New Freedom Center in a blizzard. And when I walked in, it was the first time in my life that I ever asked for help. That man said... So why should we take you here? And yeah, he, what'd you say to him? He said, so why should we take you here? Yeah, why you? At, at New Freedom Center. And that's the first time I ever admitted I need help. And I was crying. I was flailed out. My hands was knocking stuff off. I was like, I need help. Yeah. I looked like E. Honda off the original Street Fighter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure the guy that was looking at you was looking into your soul. Right. And he said, yep, we're going to take you. You a mess. <laughs> you know? And so they took me. And people, if you look in history... When people surrender countries, military, they surrender with a white flag. Yeah. I surrendered with a black garbage bag. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, I got to take all my clothes out of my black garbage bag, and I folded it, and I put it in a drawer, and I had a nice, comfy bunk bed, and I went to sleep, and I slept for a whole day. And now, then, how many people were in this place? Um. Well, it's still open today. You know what no, I mean? No, but I mean, I, how many people at that time when you went in? I mean, is this... Does it this... probably was about 20 or 30. Okay. And they were kind of like you. They were... Well, you have all kind of different people. Okay, got it. You have people that's just trying to get out of trouble. Sure. They've been to treatment 12 times. Yep. You got rich kids that's trying to get uh, please their parents. Yep. And then you got people that are just broken. See, I've seen those different kinds of people when I went to my first place... Um, they were taking people from the courts, from right. jail. They gave them a chance. You want to go to Freedom Ranch, or do you want to stay in jail? 
You I wanna, and I, that's where they went. We saw them come right out of the vans in their orange suits and get dressed up. Right. I didn't get court ordered. Uh, God brought me there. Yeah. I could have stayed at the Motel 6. Sure. You know? But you probably pretty much knew that if you had stayed at Motel 6. Well, I just couldn't took the hurt and the pain no yeah. more. I yeah. was broken. Yeah, things weren't going to change. You know what I mean? So when what you, was it like being there the first couple of days? Were you seeing yourself... Uh, were you seeing yourself come into a brand new change? Was it starting to slowly come to you that, hey, now's the time. I'm done. I'm surrendering. So, and what a magical feeling that had to be. I mean, it takes a while. Right. So to be honest with you, bro, Mo, I didn't know what I was feeling. Right. All I know is they had food. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you had a place to sleep. And I felt safe there. There you go. And so... Uh, I started I started eating and cooking. Yeah. You can cook in the kitchen. They buy all the groceries. I'm in there cooking peppers with an apron on, feeling like a little bit of my old self again. Did you miss the drugs and the using? The drinking? No. I didn't even think about it. All I thought about was I don't want to feel that pain that I felt across the street. Isn't that something? You know what I mean? Right. So while I was in New Freedom Center, shout out to New Freedom Center and Tied for Second Sober Living, um, I found out about... Well, my, my counselor told me, he said, you leaving here in two weeks, bud. This is not a homeless shelter. You need to figure out a plan. Oh, you know what? I know exactly that moment. And I felt fear again. Yeah, of course. And so, Probably because you knew that if you weren't just to, yeah, I'll come to that point, and you got out of that place without a direction, you were in trouble again. I was going right back to the Motel 6. Absolutely. And so if I would have did that... I honestly can say right now, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Yeah, I, I'd be dead. Yeah. And so um, I found out about... One more time, shout out to those people that pulled you in. The first yeah. place you were in. Both of those groups. Yeah. Shout out to them. Shout out to New Freedom Center and Hope Manor. Uh, I love you guys. Forever grateful. Thanks for helping me. Uh, for saving my life. Saving your life. So, and just think about how many people, lives and things they've saved. But go ahead. So I've... I started researching, yeah, and I found out about Adult Teen Challenge in Mandan, North Dakota. Yeah, it's an eighteen-month program. It's Christian-based. You can't leave. I mean, you there for eighteen months. And I found out about Hope Manor Sober Living Houses. They has a men's house and a woman's house. It just made ten-year anniversary. They've been open. And this eighteen-month place was called what? Adult Teen Challenge in Fantastic. Mandan. Fantastic. Why are they still there? They're still there. Um, they. I go speak there as well. Is it like a big church? No, it's a compound. I'm just wondering if this is the place I went and visited. But it's in Mandan, correct? Yep. It's up in the hills, kind of. It's I mean, like I, all the way down Main Street on the right. On the right, I may have seen this place. Yep. So yeah. it's, a, it's it's more like I would consider it a compound. Okay. I mean, they got a chapel in there, but it's a compound. Okay, right. I okay. mean, they got a lot of people that live there, men and women. Yeah. And um, all they do is focus on faith. Right. And work on their sobriety, and they do go to Evangel Church. And um, they tell you 18 months, huh? 18 months is the, the normal uh, turnaround. The normal. isn't the, You've heard about spin and dry places, right? They call them spin dry. Mm-hmm. I went to a 28-day hospital spin dry. Mm-hmm. Not long enough. You right. and I both know 28 days, when you're as bad as you and I were, 28 days goes by like that, and you have no direction unless you do it yourself or someone tells you. 28 days. But 18 months, huh? Yep. So um, That's incredible. One thing I do remember that um, 
my son's mom mentioned. Yeah. She, I remember her saying, she said, you need more than 30 days. Of, oh, <laughs> you know did she really? That's the only thing I remember I learned from her. You right. know what I mean? It's like, I did need more than 30 days. So as I had you, a lot of rascal in me there, bro. Yeah, I know. It doesn't just stop. So as you live there day by day, week by week, month by month, how were you feeling? Were you feeling pretty, pretty, Are were you watching some of the miracles start to happen? Right. So I'll tell you a true story. So- I filled out the applications, right? And I kept calling the phone number for the lady that ran Hope Manor. Okay, Hope Manor was started by Judith Roberts. Judith Roberts was an amazing lady that came from Australia. Okay, she's been a lawyer, she's been a, a law a teacher, professor. Okay, and she got tired of putting people. Watching people go to to prison for a long time for their addiction. Right. So she started Hope Manor Sober Living. Wow. And um, it has saved many lives and transformed many lives. Now she's a judge. Isn't that something? For uh, one of the tribes, uh, some of the tribes in North Dakota. Sure. And so uh, this lady named Megan Mann, shout out to Megan, sending prayers and love to you and Dave that he has a, a, a fast recovery. And she was out the country. She was in Ireland, and I kept calling. She's like, I'm out the country, and I kept calling her every day, every day. So when she got back, she came have a meeting with me at the treatment center. Right. And she explained to me what Hope Manor Sober Living was. Um, you have to pay, most sober living houses, you have to pay a fee of like 500 a month. Yep. Some, some houses provide food. Yep. Some, you got to get your own food. And then it's a, it's the, it's a strict program. That you have to get a job. Sure. You have to be home at a certain time. You have to. They monitor wherever you go. They drug test you. Uh, you got a curfew. You yep. got to pay a little bit of rent. Sure. You're yep. getting back in society, kind of. You have to go to so many sobriety meetings a week. Yep. Um, you have to get a sponsor and start working the steps. What'd you think about going to meetings when you first started going? I hated them. So, my second day in treatment was my one of my first meetings. And it's called Shoulder to Shoulder here in Bismarck. It's a speaker meeting okay. on Tuesday nights at the Bismarck Community Church. Right. And um, I remember being there, and I still was foggy. You know, yeah, I still sure. I, I just finally woke up from a deep sleep. Yeah. And I remember seeing all these people, nice haircuts, shiny bald heads, nice clothes, dressed to the tea, and happy. Drinking coffee. And, and being happy. outside smoking cigarettes. And happy. happy. It's like they all knew each other. When they're like a little glow to them and you're like, where's this right crap? right then and there in my mind, I made a decision that I wasn't supposed to be bummy no more. Yeah. Because I had, I always was fly. Yeah. I went to a, a homeless, meth addict, alcoholic bum. Yeah. And I made a decision that I want to, I want to be fly, sharp, and have that glow again. Yeah. That glow of God. Yeah. And so... Uh, that was my first meeting. And I go to all types of meetings. For my first three years in sobriety, I probably went to two meetings a day. Yep. I went to thousands of meetings. And, um, and so she came and meet with me, and she said, look, can you get someone to give you $500, um, you know, to get you in this program yep. and, and things like that? And I said, look, if I don't, have, I don't have nothing, I don't have no money. I don't have no phone, no nothing. I said, if you just give me this one chance right. and accept me, I won't let you down. And she did. She accepted me. So I went to Sober Living. I got there. It was 12 guys in the house. And it was kind of weird at first. 
But that's when my real recovery started. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. I lived there six months. After that, after getting out, I continued to go to all the same meetings, do all the same procedures, and still have the same mentor. I still have the same sponsor mentor to this day. Yeah. And a sponsor is someone that's been in sobriety, has been through the steps, and they start to relate their story to your story. Yeah. And it's someone that helps you walk through the different phases of sobriety. Without a doubt. It's the most one of the most important things you can do for yourself. Right. And like I had said before in one of my podcasts, look, if you don't get along with one of your sponsors, that's a personal thing. You can change sponsors. Right. Adapt to someone else. They don't always have to be, excuse my French, hard ass. Right. They can be someone like your best friend. Some sponsors will be mean and say to you, look, I'm not in it to become buddies with you, but I want to keep you uh, alive and I want to share with you what I know from the steps. Some sponsors will be, like I said, someone that um, you can talk to anytime. That Well, any sponsor should be someone that you can call anytime, day or night. Right. You know that. And how long have you been sober again, brother? Uh, just over 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. And, and it- I've relapsed before I got sober. Uh, it took me three different times. Okay. And the last time, it almost killed me. Um, well, I'm glad you're you back with us. Because some people don't make it back. No, you know what? And this is true, and you may know the, about this too. When I first went to my first recovery home, way out in the boondocks outside San Diego, we were in a room of 40 people, 40 guys, and I'm in the front row, and the teacher comes out and says, all right, take a look at the whole room. I'll never forget this. And I'm looking around, and we're all looking at each other. And I'm, you know, I haven't been sober that long, and I'm hating being there. And he goes, take a look at all these 40 people. He goes, after a year... He goes, if uh, three of you are still sober, that's about the odds. Right. Some of you will be in jail. Some of you will be dead. Some of you will be on the streets missing. Do you find that accurate? I do. Right now, it's not a good time to be a drug addict. No, it's not. You know what I mean? No. Because when I get drunk, I make the worst decisions. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I usually, if somebody offers me something, I take it. And right now they got they got fentanyl and everything. I mean, you can they can put it in your drink, you know, and they can put it on weed, they can put it in anything. And at one time, you out of here. You yep. know what I mean? I yep. know I've known personally, had personal relationships with people. Yep. In 2023, 14 people I know personally died from drugs or alcohol. Yeah. From here to New Orleans. It's sad too, because you know, they're going through the same thing you are. Right. And it's sad when when you want to change and you're at your very frozen bottom and you look over to somebody you've been around with for the longest time and they disappear and you find out that they their heart stopped or whatever. And and it's sad because, mm-hmm. like I said, the odds are against you in recovering. Right. You know, to the people that are still recovering today, I have an argument and I, and, and I'm probably wrong. And in the book, I don't know exactly what it says. But when someone says to you, hey, man, I'm recovered, recovered, I always say, well, aren't you still recovering? Because this is a disease that's never going to go away. A daily reprieve. Yeah, I can't wake up tomorrow and say, well, I guess I, my dad used to, when he, my dad's no longer with us, but my dad used to say, are you still going to those meetings? Can you take a pill or something? And then you're cured. The only cure is to stay sober every single day. Mm-hmm. And like you said, have your higher power. Mm-hmm. 
and believe in yourself and just day by day. What do you think the most famous quote is? You live day by day. Mm-hmm. For today, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be okay. But for tomorrow, I don't know. Right. Is that true to you? I think it is true. So, like you were saying earlier about... Oh, good. <laughs> I hate looking at myself on you. Is your a, Facebook Live still going? Yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> I Kudos to all those people that watch yeah. you. By, I guarantee you, by Monday morning, we'll have over 1,000 views. Well, and that's... We're going to talk about that in a second, but what were you going to say about what I just said? So, kind of what you were saying earlier about people that are normies. Yeah. So, in the business world, you know, now... I meet a lot of people. I have relationships. I'm part of a lot of things. And some people are, are able to be successful in life yep. and, and go eat at a fine restaurant, yep. eat some steak, and drink a half a glass of wine. Yeah. And so people, all, I always get this same, this same thing, and they, they whisper it to me. Yeah. They say, does this offend you if I drink? Oh, yeah. You know? And I'm like, nah. And they're like, you really don't drink? And I'm like, no. They was like, why you don't drink? Yeah. And, and this is what I tell them every time, bro. It's fascinating. Bro. Yeah, go ahead. I said, have you ever woke up butt naked somewhere, don't know where you're at, <laughs> you don't know where your clothes is at? <laughs> no, right. Have you ever woke up? Yeah. You don't know where your wallet's at? Yeah. You wake up, you don't know where your car's at? Yeah. And they said, that happens to you when you drink? I said, no. That's what's going to happen to you when I drink. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It's funny. I'm glad you asked me that. I've had that happen every once in a while when we're at a function and the drinks are going around and someone says to me, you don't drink, huh? Am I okay to drink around you? I said, absolutely. Sure, this isn't going to bother you. I said, not at all. You just can't. Can't you just like have a fake beer? Mm -hmm. And I go, I can't even have a fake beer. And I'll tell you why. Fake beer is too close to the real thing. Yeah, I don't even play with it like that. I don't smoke pot. Right. Because there are some people who say, if you're an alcoholic, well, I still groove on pot. I don't alter my senses at all, and my yeah. senses aren't that great anyway. I do know this. If I stay 100% sober, that's 100% sober. I do tell people this. Look, if I were to have a beer right now with you and half, half a beer, I guarantee you, maybe later on tonight or tomorrow, I'll have three more, mm-hmm. and then it's on. You mm-hmm. won't see me again. I'll start calling in sick, and my blood pressure would probably kill me. I don't have another relapse in me. Right. And when I tell them that, they understand. It's the people that say to you, you just can't, you don't like to, you can't. They're fascinated by it, I think, mm-hmm. because they are a normie, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And, and I look at it like this. I have used all my rights up to use drugs, uh, alcohol on this earth. I have used enough drugs and enough alcohol for 100 men. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, <laughs> I, and I know that. You know, I, I have I have put that into my mind right. that I can never safely use drugs or alcohol again. Right. It will not be good for the community. Well, but but has anyone ever said to you, dude, you know you can't drink again ever in your lifetime. My sister told me that years ago. Right. And when she told me that years ago, 15, 16 years ago, before I stopped, it pissed me off. Right. Because Look, we, we're rebels. Yeah. Two, two of the, the number one things that all alcoholics and drug addicts have in common. One, grandiosity in their mind. We make things bigger than it is. Yeah. And defiance. Yeah. Anything you tell me I can't do, I'm going to do it. 
But don't you think it, there's too much pressure when someone says to you at the very beginning of your recovery, hey, you know you can never drink again in your lifetime, right? Right. Isn't so, that a lot of pressure to lay on someone, even after how many years of sobriety they have? Right. So I'm going to tell you a little trick. Yeah. We call it setting the hook in sobriety. Yeah. So when I meet a new guy, a new friend, yeah, that is newly wanting to get sober, be sober, I don't tell them nothing that they have to do. Right. Nothing. That's perfect. All I do is make suggestions, and I tell them about my story. And let them figure out that they can never drink again. Yeah. And we call that setting the hook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The wildlife special, baby. And um, yeah. And so I never tell somebody what they need to do, what they have to do. You better do this. Because they've been getting told that their whole life. And that yeah. didn't work. No. Let's uh, take a second and have you tell your Facebook Live audience and my audience on my podcast Let's tell people what it's like, what the rewards are. When I first uh, tried to stay sober, people were like, dude, you're missing out on the rewards of sobriety. You're missing out. Your journey. You want to start a journey. Mm -hmm. And I'm like to myself, well, what are the rewards going to be? Some blonde's going to pull up in a Mustang and give me a bunch of cigars and a boatload of money? What possible rewards am I going to have? By not doing what I love to do, what I did with my life for years, what was part of my lifestyle, and I mean every single day, what rewards? And then it came to me, my rewards. Let's hear some of the rewards that have come your way, and I'm looking at one of them. Okay. And I'm, I'm looking at a seven-year-old, polite young man who's over there who's proud as you-know-what about his father, mm-hmm. who's out in Bismarck. Um, spreading the message of sobriety. Let me hear some of your rewards that you found. And I want my audience to hear this because I'm telling you, every journey's different, and you're going to love it if you just stay sober and do the right thing. Let's hear your rewards. Right. So you could call them rewards, but we like to call them the promises. Right. And blessings. And blessings, of course. So at first... You're not going to see any rewards. No, you're not. No shiny things. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. It's going to be hard at yeah. first. Yeah. Cause how know, hard? Tell me how. It's going to because you're going against all your natural instincts that the little disease, the little voice in your head is telling you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. You got a little voice in your head that lies to you in your own voice. So it's very tricky. I say when you first get sober, don't believe nothing that you're thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Believe what you're seeing, you know, what you're seeing. And it's going to be hard at first because you're going to get a job. Well, first you're going to sober up and you're going to have to start facing all the stuff you've been getting drunk and high to not think about. Oh, yeah. So it's going to get real hectic at first. Yeah. You're going to have court cases. You're going to have a whole bunch of people you owe money to. You, you're still not going to have a phone most, most of the time. And then when you do get a job or some kind of um, employment or, you know, money take in. Yep. Everybody's going to want their money. So the first job. I and got, apologies. This yep. is part of the steps. Right. They're, they're going to want. I got a job at yep. first. Yep. And it was a $10 an hour job. Yeah. And I worked two weeks and my check would be like 80 bucks. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, everybody it. wanted their take out of my check I for, know. for the money that I owed. I'm like, y'all not even letting me get to the point where I'm ready to give your money. You know? Yeah. 
And so, uh, so the first thing you'll probably finally, first thing you'll probably get is some new friends. And you might not like them at first because they're all happy. Then <laughs> you'll probably get a phone. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And the phone, we like to call that the relapse machine. Yeah. Because if you still have the same friends on your social media yeah. that you had before, there's a high probability that in the first couple months of sobriety, you're going to go right back out when you're having a bad day. Oh, yeah. They're going to be there. And you're going to hit them up or they're going to hit you up. And you're going to be like, this is heaven sent. It's not heaven sent. It's, the, it's evil sent. Well, the temptations are just too much. Right. Then you're going to start working on getting your license. Because most alcoholics and addicts, when they get sober, they got to get an SR-22 and their license is suspended. Yeah. Either from not having insurance, from DUIs, yep. or whatever. Yeah. And so you'll start working on that. Then blessings will start. My blessings started at about six months sober. My... uh. Award, rewards or uh, prom the promises. Yeah. So at six months sober, someone seen how good that I was doing in my life and trying, and they gave me a truck. Yeah. You know, and so that was a blessing because I was riding bicycle everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And uh, it's because I had to, you know, and I was fine with it. Yeah. And so, um, for 18 months of sobriety, I wasn't able to really see my son. But I was volunteering. I was going to meetings. I wasn't never, I didn't have any time where I was just hanging out. It was yeah. from point A to point B. I lived inside of recovery and I visited the world. And at 18 months sober, after all these Sundays of getting people to pray on me at Evangel Church, the week I made 18 months sober, my son's mom called, said, I'm in, in, in some troubles. Police are here. I need you to come get your son. Yeah. I was running red lights the whole way. Yeah. And, um, and so ever since then, I've been having my son. And, and I bring him everywhere with me. Yeah. I don't want him to, to grow up having a parent that did drugs or alcohol or have him in those type of environments. Yeah. He rolls with me everywhere I go. Say, what's up, August? What's up? How long you been sober, <laughs> brother? Love it. And why can't you use drugs or alcohol? So, if you do that and you're in the military, you can't fly with me. Yep. yep. So, if you use drugs or alcohol, you can't be a pilot. You want to keep that. See? You know what I mean? There you go. And so, I didn't have nobody to tell me that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I got my son back. All my court cases have been over with. No probations. Nothing. Um, I quit smoking cigarettes. That I don't know how that left my body. I'm so thankful every day for that. Yeah. I mean, whatever they put in cigarettes is stronger than crack. Yeah, I smoke cigars still. You That's know my I mean? only vice. Yeah. I quit smoking cigarettes. Um, I made amends with my family. Yeah. When my mom got married to my stepfather now, I wasn't even invited to their wedding. Yeah, see. These I was are... living a, a life of chaos. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I made amends. Me and my family have great relationships. I made amends to pretty much everybody that I could that was around me. Um, I was able to pay off all my child support. Right. Get my taxes done. I, I make them. A, I pay them a car note a month. Uh, the IRS. I was able to make amends to my daughter. Yeah. And bring my daughter here, fly her here, to 
meet her brother. And my grandma, I mean, my mom flew up here and she got to see both her grandsons, I mean, grandkids at the same time. Awesome. And that was a gift of something that I always wanted to do. People trust me now. People trust me now. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, I got keys to so much stuff. You know when your life's getting better? When your keychain has got a whole bunch of keys on it. Yeah, isn't that something? You know what I mean? And it feels good to be able to be trusted. Yeah. You know, um, because I used to steal. I even stopped stealing from Walmart. You know what I mean? I was one of them guys that even if I had money, I'd go in there and eat a Snickers and not pay for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not saying that I'm perfect, but that's how my life has changed. I'm able to help people for free. I never did anything for free before. And that's Romo. the greatest tie around, isn't it? Yeah. Helping people. Yeah. And you probably, you probably have an estimate. You probably have a, um, a figure how many people you help out every week with your Facebook Lives. I don't really think but about it. But you really it. have no clue how many people will pass that on. Or behind your back, talk to someone and say, you're having some trouble. You should watch this Facebook Live. You should watch Brother Brandon in action. Right. You know, um, what you do in our city is tremendous. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for being part of my world. Well, I thank you for having me part of your world. Because it's something that that I've found that's a great tool in my daily life to get Mm -hmm. a message from you. Um, You know, when people come to me and say... um, that I heard your podcast and I can relate to what you were saying or your guest has the greatest compliment that I can receive. Right. Because I remember in my dark place that I knew I was in trouble, but mm. I didn't want to stop until my blood pressure said, you better stop or you'll be six feet down under or whatever. Right. And so I loved hearing your story. Mm-hmm. It's inspirational. It's what everybody needs to know when they're starting out in recovery it's what anybody who's in recovery now, you could be 30 years, and you know this. Mm-hmm. I used to have people tell me, hey, I learned something from you today. And I'm like, you're 28 years sober, and I'm one year sober. How did you learn something from me? Everybody learns something from everybody. Right. This is part of our group. Mm-hmm. This is part of what, what, what we offer each other by staying sober. Remain teachable. Yeah. And... And also, it's like I said, um, we healing broken men, bromo. Yep. And women. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in America, we're taught graduate from high school and get out there and make some of yourself. Yeah. We'll see you later. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. That's how I was. Right. You know, some people have parents that stay in their life. Yeah. Anybody out there with kids and that you're sober now and you're raising kids. I salute you, um, but stay in their lives, yep. even if they don't want you in yeah, their life. Yeah, stay in your children's life. This is not a one and done. Uh, graduate high school and now it's over with. It takes a whole tribe, many years, to raise a person the right way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I it's do. It's when you send them out there alone that they get lost. Can people reach out to you and 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 ask to be your friend on yes. Facebook? So you can you can go to my show page, Sober Talk with Brother Brandon, the Raging Cajun. That's on Facebook. That's on Facebook, and you can message me on. Say that. that again. What's the title? Sober Talk with Brothers Brandon. And let me show the gifts that he. Yeah. 
that I cherish so much that he brought in. Yeah, we got the new cups. Shout out to Acosta. Creative designs by Acosta. I mean, like, look how beautiful this is. Yep. I mean, these, uh, you know, yep. what do you call them? Monetary gifts or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, that's some of my sponsors. I mean, the only gifts I have for you... Uh, I guess I don't really have any for you. <laughs> well, the gift is is that you're sober, brother, and we have created a friendship. Of course. I don't need material things to be a gift. The gift is being able to come to be here with you today and be a part of your podcast and 96.5 The Walleye. Well, so, I, get, I, I, I thank you. What's your podcast again? There is a way out. There and is, today, and how can people find it to watch it? Well, funny that you said, and I'm going to tell my audience this, we're going to have a two-parter today. Okay. You watched me struggle with the computer, didn't I you? I have. The computer shut down at one point. Right. I didn't we're break gonna, stride. So we're, and you, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're doing Facebook Live, and I didn't, you know. Yeah. God, I'm a, not a good-looking guy. Um, man. Any single ladies out there, oh. this man right here needs a friend. I have two cats and I, you know. And he's got cats. People love cats. And this is not a wedding ring. You know, I've had people say to me. Right. Not a lot. Are you married? This is a sobriety ring. It won't fit on this finger because I broke this finger years ago. Yeah. Uh, actually, oh, I, I know what. I got my first tattoo Yeah. Uh, about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. which I was thrilled. And it's my only tattoo. Do you have any? I'm sure you do. I do have a lot of tattoos, but I'll show you mine. Yeah, I love it. It kind of relates with yours. Yeah. You know what I mean? I. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Look at that. Yep. You see, I was kind of torn on this. So and I, I went... get somebody to, to touch that up for you. Well, I, I, I went down a benevolent down the street here in Mandan, but I did this. As a, an idea to myself to always wake up, and I know it's right here and I wake up, mm-hmm. but that's a gift that I gave to myself. It's right. actually this right here that he did. Right. And I, and I look at that, and, you know, you, of course you have the, the usual skeptical people. Oh, you better not relapse. You'll have to change that. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, I just wanted to keep telling you that uh, our podcast today will be a two-parter because at one point the computer stopped okay so i'm gonna chop it up it'll be like good so it's gonna be like a 20 minute part first and a 40 minute part second i want to thank you yes sir tell people how they can watch your podcast oh again yeah it's called there is a way out and what does it air on all the platforms yeah it's on all the platforms you can go on demand you can and i appreciate that you can go on 96.5 the walleye uh app or web page just look up on demand you'll see there is a way out it's really been an honor i i so appreciate you coming in Yep. Well, I appreciate you having me, brother. And are you uh, on the regular 96.5? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can listen to me 9 9 a.m. till 2, Monday through Friday. Okay. Give me a shout-out, brother. Oh, I definitely will. When we get off the air here, I'll tell you when and where. I'm going to close this out right now. Listen for all of you who have been listening to this. This Um, has been the greatest podcast that I've ever had. For all of you who think you may have a problem. The Wildlife. Again, there mind. is a way out. Just reach out and get a hold of And give, give us a shout out real quick to your, pod, your Facebook Live. It's Sober Talk with Brother Brandon, um, the Raging Cajun. Um, it's on Facebook. Um, so right now, we're fixing in the next couple months be elevating to the next level of all platforms. It's going to become an official podcast. But for the last three and a half years, I've been interviewing someone pretty much every Friday. Love it. And you can go in there and watch all the old shows. We had a show last night, a new show from some guys from the MHA 
uh, nation, Sober Lodges. They're yep. doing big things on their tribal lands and just across Bismarck and the uh, the whole state, all the way from here to Arizona. Love it. Um, but you can you can watch it. You can uh, watch the recording. But uh, Sober Talk with Brother Brandon, the Raging Cajun, on Facebook. You can message the page, and yep. I can reach out to you. We have resources. And, and we, there you go. And we love you, baby. All right. Thank you, Ben. Thank, thank you, you again. And uh, thank to everybody who listens to this. There is a way out. <laughs>